Welcome to today's podcast of Center of Leafs Nation. This is Pat LaRusso. Uh, I am joined by my co-host, Anthony Sino, once again. Uh, Anthony, um, you know, before we go into, you know, this past weekend, I do want to apologize. My voice is very coarse um, for this show. I celebrated my 42nd birthday over the weekend. And as you can imagine, there were some adult beverages shared and enjoyed by all. And I'm still recouping for it. <laughs> uh, happy happy belated of course first off to get started I'd love to hear that you enjoyed the birthday with some adult beverages I would uh um, makes me very proud to uh to to share this show with you uh especially <laughs> knowing that now because I'm gonna make sure that I'm extra loud and yeah. hopefully the years don't get a little ringing for uh, don't start ringing for you uh, I could definitely respect a guy playing a little guilty after uh, after having a few <laughs> nights out. You gotta bounce back, Pat. It's uh, it's uh, it's the pros here. So it is. Can't, it can't is. take a shift There's... off, even though you had a night. No, no most definitely. <laughs> and you know what? When I look at last week as a whole, um, you know, the Leafs really rewarded me um, with some pretty, you know, pretty solid play. Um, you know, notwithstanding the two games against Tampa and Boston, which I thought you know, to date were probably their best games. And then in contrast, we saw what we got last night against the LA Kings. Um, just want to kind of get your thoughts on those three games because they, they do, it's, it's like a huge swing. You know what I mean? Like a, the Boston Tampa were like right up there. Um, but going into the LA game, I, I, I had it in my head that if the Leafs came out of Tampa, Boston, I think those were going to be two emotional games. Um, I think they were going to get themselves primed for those. But then you know that there's that loss coming. And it, the L.A. just seemed to be such a trap game for me in my own head um, as I as I turned to this week. I just want to kind of get your early thoughts on that. I, I, I definitely would say the same uh, in uh, in my friend in my group chat with my friends. I, I said like right away, I said this is a this is the trappiest game of all so far this season coming off a five game win streak at home two emotional wins against division rivals and you got LA uh, sitting there waiting for you their first game on their Eastern road trip, I believe. So it's uh, it was definitely clear that um, that, that I was sorry, I was expecting this game to be definitely not their, the Leafs at their best. Um, however, that doesn't, uh, just because you can, like I say all the time, just because you can mark a loss on the calendar beforehand doesn't mean you just go and mail it in. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that the Leafs just kind of, it, it's still something that kind of bugs me with this team. And you know what? Maybe it's maybe it's just recency bias because I'm sure there are games where in the past where they sh we just marked it down for a loss and they end up pulling out a victory and end up playing very well. So Obviously, this is recency bias coming into play here, but it is disappointing that they didn't show up yesterday early on and just kind of let LA skate all over them and and really make their life difficult. They look the Leafs look like they were a step behind. Um, I don't think that they were prepared for the speed of LA, and maybe that's a, on on the coaches. Um, but 
it sounded like Keith also had the same thought as myself and that it's he's just very confused at as to why the start was as bad as, bad as it was, right? Like, why did we, why did the Leafs give him so many chances early on? Why, why is it that other teams, um, like the the really good teams in in a prototypical letdown game or trap game, they don't, they might not be at their best, but they also don't give easy chances to the other team. They're yeah. going to at least make the other team work for it, and. And off the bat, it was clear that the Leafs were going to be chasing it. And look, I thought that they, in the end, I thought they showed some good pushback. Um, look, some it, in a trap game, it's typical that you start slow. But as the game got out, I think that they made they made their uh, they made their presence known on a team that they should beat. It just so happened that Jonathan Quick turned back the clock and made some very key saves. And yeah. um, on the opposite end of it. Jack Campbell, who's been absolutely stellar this season, really let in some poor goals. So, and look, Jack's allowed to let those in. So it's up to the Leafs to score more than one goal against a team like LA, who's missing uh, two of their two of their top defensemen, and Sean Walker, who's out for the year, and of course Drew Doughty. So again, overall a disappointing game. But uh, like you said, right, you come off five wins, you can't win them all. So disappointed that they didn't uh, come at least it's diff- again, it's different if you come out with a bang and you start and then you get goalied. I'm not going to say that the Leafs got goalied here because of the poor start. I'm not going to let them off the hook. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. they, they yeah. just need to start better. If they start better and they get goalied, I'm like, OK, you know what? You can't win them all, obviously. And you got goalied. Yeah. But th- that game it wasn't the case. So uh, a big pushback coming up here, especially uh, in a team like Philadelphia, who I I really like their team on paper. They're in a tough division. So like, it's really tough to judge that Metro on how good of a team uh, and how good of a team you are, especially like, I'm pretty sure the Islanders are, what are they? The Islanders are seventh in their division. I think I saw today and there are sixth and they have a 600 winning percentage. Like every team in the Metro is above 500 technically in terms yeah. of points percentage and Philly's like six, two and two in their first 10 games. So that's actually a, a much better point percentage in the Leafs. So Philly's uh, Philly's playing really good. Carter Hart's playing really good. It's going to be a tough game on the road. And then a quick turnaround coming back for the hall of fame game on Friday. And then a Buffalo team, uh, waiting for them uh, on Saturday. So it's a tough week ahead. It's a chance for this team to really turn it around, but it won't be, uh, it won't be without some hardships. Like um, I'm not sure if you saw today, Pat, but Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, uh, John Tavares is day to day. He said he was banged up uh, and Kasha also banged up. He looked like he was hurt nursing that uh, an arm or that shoulder, shoulder injury. Yeah. Um, which is uh, unfortunate because I thought he was also playing really good. T- Tavares has been exceptional as well. So it's in- I'm, I'm interested to see where those guys end up uh, come game time, come warm up, uh, we'll, which will be uh, later tonight at the point of the podcast release. So um, oh, I think that it's a chance to, it's a chance to, make their way back and again, start chipping away, right? Like you, 
Buffalo is a divisional game. You need to win all these games in the division. It's really tight, actually, if you look at it. Uh, aside from Ottawa and Montreal, um, it seems like there's a, it's five teams really close together uh, in the Atlantic right now. So I, at this point, I know everyone's expecting Buffalo and Detroit to fall off. But like you, at this point, they're right in the hunt. You know what I mean? So can't take any time off against those teams and it's a three and four coming up so yeah i noticed that it was a very compact schedule yeah. for this week and who's going to start right like there's a that's another question who's going to play one of who, which goalie's going to play the either of the games this weekend is it going to be wall is it going to be hutchinson uh i, I like I, I really don't know i think they might give wall a game they might give him a game against buffalo on saturday night that would that to me would be interesting i i, I think i would probably give him that game you know what I mean? I would Buff- give them that game. Yeah, Buffalo's got what? They got 36 goals in 12 games, so averaging three goals a game. <laughs> well, like, what a world we live in right now. Toronto's actually averaging less goals per game than Buffalo, which is crazy, but um, I still would give Wall that game, or maybe they got, like, I don't want to, we already know what Hutchinson is, right? So I think because it's early in the season and I know every point matters, I don't think the difference between Hutchinson and Wall is so much greater yeah, so that yeah. you just can't give the Wall a game. You got to eventually find out what these guys are. Like, I think it's the same with, I don't know if Joey Anderson's still on a contract uh, after this year, but like, that's another one. Like, I think, and again, with Lilligren, like, you're kind of seeing the trend here where, like, where these young guys that have like one year left on their ELCs. It sounds like Dubas is just trying to like see what they what he's got with these players because he needs to know for next year. So I think Joey uh, Joseph Wall falls into that category, right? Like he you need to find out what he is. He's an RFA next year. So like me personally, I would just have him sign this qualifying offer and bring him back. I, I really do think he's got some raw potential there that can be further developed. But at the end of the day, um, I hate to bring it up, but we're again, we're seeing the effects of, of an awful Mark Hunter drafting uh, era where a guy that Mark Hunter draft should have drafted in one of the drafts that he ran five, six, seven years ago, that guy should be ready to come in at this point. You know what I mean? In, in, a, in a pinch like we are in now. Uh, but unfortunately, we don't have that luxury. Joseph Wall, um, I'm sure it wasn't the best choice in the in the overall position that he was drafted and now we're again we're feeling the effects of that so um a lot of battles in Leafs Nation but uh, nothing that they can't overcome no and I and you're right I think at some point the Leafs need to know what they have in wall and I'm wondering if that doesn't spur on a better effort Saturday night or I'm wondering you know if early on this season because the boys have been able to really rely on Jack uh, to come up with that additional save or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or buy them some time in the game that maybe that's allowed them to kind of, you know, start a little bit later. You know, we got Jack, you know, Soup will take care of us. Um, you know, let's just, let's just warm ourselves up into the game. That, ha- mm-hmm. you know, dropping a guy like Joseph Ball back there, you know, it might just be that spark that this team needs um, to be like, yo, like, okay, pucks drop, let's go. Like, let's just get this kid a win. You know what I mean? Like, and, yep. and they owe it to themselves. You know, like, this isn't a bad team. You know, 
I know recency bias is, you know, has framed this entire regular season. Um, but it's not a bad team. You know, it's, it's still, you know, still a team in transition. I think there's a lot of, you know, moving parts. Um, but the core is there to really have a positive impact. Um, you know, I thought the games against Tampa and Boston showed a dynamic um, in them that we hadn't seen, in, in, you know, to, to date in this season. I liked it. Showed I thought a, it, was a it, it showed a dynamic, I think, in, in not just the players, but I, uh, not to get totally off topic there, but I felt a different vibe when I was watching on TV in the arena. Yeah. Did, did, oh. Am I the only one that is? Am I the no, only one that's I was that the arena is louder? You were there, right? You were one. You I was there, there against game? Tampa. The Tampa game. The Tampa. Like, I was it, there in the Tampa game. It's loud in there, man. Like I, I'm hey, loving. Here's that. why. So here's here's you know my uneducated. Is this your? You got pure, a theory? Yeah, it's my theory, pure anecdotal, just because I was there. But I think that partially because of COVID, maybe some people didn't renew their tickets. There's a lot more game day seats available in the lower bowl. So what does that mean? That means we're not getting as many of the suits in the lower bowl. That means mm-hmm. you're getting your hardcore fan in the lower bowl. Yeah, the cost might be a little bit different, but not much different. So it was a lot. Like when Tavares tied the game, I it was as if we were in a playoff game. The that's what I. That, that's what I told. That, that's what I told my. It erupted. Uh, yeah, that's what I told and, my dad. I was like, it feels like a playoff game. You know what I mean? Man, like that, that stadium shook when Nylander scored. Shook. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, and I remember if you know, for those of that don't follow us on on Instagram, there is a great reel, um, a, a short little video that I took, um, I just after Nylander had scored, I I met some really great guys, um, that were sitting right behind me. But just the environment, the energy. Um, I think really, if, if I don't know if anyone from the Toronto Police is listening, but you need to leave some of those lower bowl tickets available for for just the average fan to come in. Um, you know, it, yeah, it changes up, pick, the whole pick up vibe. tickets that day. I think I, I really do think that that, that that needs to happen. Um, it, it you really, I'm I'm yet to go. I'm supposed to go next thursday when they play the rangers i'm very much looking forward to it yeah. um it's it it, it is noticeable it and is, i'm not noticeable. i haven't paid attention if they're selling out i'm sure they're not i think they'll get you, you're, you're starting to tell that they're not like I, I if you're part of that leafs nation's emails letter or newsletter that they send like they're offering bundles like 20 percent off if you buy three three games worth of tickets so I've never seen the Leafs do that ever. So you could tell that they're struggling to sell out. And you know what? With every with every difficult scenario that comes up, like new opportunity opens, different mo- yeah, yeah. Uh, ways of thinking should open uh, and should come to the forefront. And and I hope that one of them from this awful COVID experience is that the the Leafs realize that okay, whatever we whatever we sacrifice in corporate uh, corporate tickets, the tickets that we give out to corporations, like hopefully like the, the, the people that didn't renew, like, yeah, those I'm sorry. Need like, to stay open. I'm, I'm sorry. They, need like, to they, stay, they open. stay open. Like the, like the line for season tickets is so long. Like I, I really do understand. And, and the unfortunate reality is that they probably won't stay open, but 
maybe if just maybe like they're they got smart people at mlse you got to find a way to keep that building vibrant. that energy you know what i it's mean honestly like, i don't it's remember it's such a ever. change it's such it a is. change and it's a when positive ever, change it is when have you ever in seen november energy? in november but on a thursday night or on, you know on a tuesday night that's you know what, what I, I said. Mean? Yeah, that's what I said. The like, change like, you really notice the change during the week. Yes. Because on Saturdays, it, on it's Saturdays it's different. It's always electric. Yeah, it's like there's a, it's a it's a it's a special day in Toronto. You know it's yeah. it's, it's crazy, the right? Games. It's, it's the weekday, weekday games game. where you're trying grand. to get rid of the people like, that come from the office. And maybe it's the work from home uh, mo- movement that's also coming too, right? Like you don't have people just coming down off of Bay Street saying, "All right, we're going to walk over to the arena." You know what I mean? Go catch a game. There's probably there's I'm sure there's a lot less people doing that. Right. Yeah. So th- th- all of these things are combining into a scenario where I think it's really beneficial for the crowd, for the fans, for the team. You know what I yeah, mean? It like is. It's, it's it, no one's talking vibe. about it being a morgue. No, it was so much fun. Like people were giving high fives. Like I just there was just a, a, an electric energy in that building and maybe two. You know, and, and, I'll, and I'll give the Leafs this, though. You know, obviously, because of COVID protocols, there were some empty seats. Because uh, I, I ended up uh, in a seat that was right against the aisle. But there was, mm-hmm. like, two empty seats to the right of me. Um, so, you know, there was that little bit of spacing. So maybe that explains why they're really pushing to, you know, try and get the rest of these seats um, sold. But, but I'm telling you, the energy, even with – the every second or third seat being empty and what were they even at full capacity have they been i don't i don't, I don't even know if they've sold out yet but you know they, what I mean? they, they could fill it up if they wanted to i know i yeah. know they're they're allowed but like a, another perfect example is the yesterday the game there's a refuse suck chant i have never yes. heard in recent memory i have never during heard week. a chant like during that the during the week like it's no. And there's feels like there's more go leaf go chance. Like there's it's, more it, it's really more crazy. And not to get cheesy about it, but like you know what I mean? Like it really makes me feel good. Like it it gives you a little it bit does. of goosebumps, you know what I mean? Like what's that saying? I forget what movie, but it's like how can you not be romantic about baseball or something yeah. like I forget what movie it is. And it's I I apply it to the Leafs. Like when you see that, like how can you not get get how does that not catch it in the feels when you see a, a whole crowd like that support a team that has frankly made them miserable for years and yeah. they still show up in 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 waves and and, but, and make that type of atmosphere that is, i think i can't imagine what it's like to be a professional athlete you know trying to put in your part or do your all to a, a pretty much a dead arena where you have to go to an edmonton a montreal an ottawa to really hear your fans you know that's always been the huge knock at the Scotiabank Arena was it's always been quiet. Um, so that's kind of nice to kind of get that energy back in the building. Um, but, you know, we are get, kind of getting close to the tail end of this week's podcast. But another topic that's, you know, we kind of briefly discussed on last week, and it, it, it's really become a story as Sandin and Lilligren really entrenched themselves um, in this roster. And, and really, you know, as bad as the, the team as a whole played last night. I still thought the two rookies looked good. Um, were they perfect? No. Were there mistakes? Yes. But I would never yank Sandin or or Lilligren out of the out of the lineup right now. And and that really takes me to you know a similar topic that we discussed last week is where do guys like Justin Hall, 
Travis Dermott, and even in the case of Nick Ritchie, where do they fit in for the remainder of the year with, um, you know, I know in the case of Nick Ritchie, there's so much forward depth on this Leafs team that, you know, he could easily be replaced. Um, and then and, and there are cheaper options, um, you know, Semyonov, there's uh, Joshua Hosang. You know, I've been, Joshua Hosang's had a tear since starting with the Marlies this year. Um, so, you know, he's, he's obviously going to be an option, you know, possibly after Christmas. Um, but I want to kind of get your feel on where you think these, these three players end up and, you know, and, and is there a way that we can package them for some more defensive help, which clearly this team needs um, to kind of, you know, get them over the hump. So again, it's really, it's really tough for me simply because um, I don't, it, I'm still bitter about what what was going on in the offseason with the the choice to protect Justin Hall. Like I, I'm, I hate to come back to it, but I it was one thing that I think Dubis really misjudged. If the value of keeping Justin Hall was so great in the offseason, then how did you not even try and explore trading him? You know what I mean? If you were gonna give Dermot a chance and and if by not doing that, they implied that they weren't ready to give Travis Dermott full-time top four minutes. Okay, well, Travis Dermott has played over 200 NHL games. You're not ready to make him a top four defenseman. You just signed him to $1.5 million co- uh, contract extension for two years. So now what? Like, who do you not believe in? You got to make a choice. It's, 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 a, it's a bit of a piss or get off the pot type thing right now where I'm sit, where I'm at with Travis Dermott they need to figure out is this guy top four or is he not if he's not he's got to move now because Timothy yeah. Lilligren next season has passed him maybe not this year Tim uh, Lilligren hasn't passed him because they're still giving I know they're giving Lilligren a little bit of a sheltered minutes and blah, blah, blah. And he's doing really well with it. So obviously you don't want to throw him out to the wolves and make him a full-time top four guy when you have cup aspirations this year, but by next year, Dermot is for sure not above Lilligren on the depth chart. So now you're sitting at Travis Dermot at 1.5 million as your seventh D man. That's not going to fly. You need to look no. to trade him. And what's Justin Hall's also in and around that range? Do you he, know? He's at two million modified no trade clause UFA after next year. So he is uh, he's got two years as well. They both got two years on their deal. Um, and Hall's at two million. Dermot's at one point five. I think. I think the play here is you trade Dermot. I know, and everyone's going to say, "Well, Sino, you just shit talk Justin Hall for three weeks in a row." Um, and, and, and you know what, that's true. Um, however, that, that I don't think that that necessarily means that you trade hall over Dermot. I, even though I do think that Dermot's a better player, I think with his age, he could probably command a bit more in a trade, right? Like, I, I don't remember if you recall Pat, but at one point there was a trade, I believe it was Dermot and Janssen on the table for Mackenzie Weger and the Leafs didn't do it. It was two years ago. Now, when did they trade Janssen? Was it two years ago? Yeah. It, before, wasn't it the before summer, the shortened season? It was, was no, it cause Janssen, Janssen played in the bubble. So it, 
or he was hurt and like went in for game five against Columbus. I remember now. So Janssen got traded after the, the, or just before the 56 game season. So the two years ago in this case, when really, it really was only one, but anyways, aside from that, he, in that case, if you, when Janssen gets traded, they had a chance to move Dermot with him and get Mackenzie Weaker, which would have been a steal of a deal. The problem was, was they had to pay Weaker whatever it was. I'm not sure how much he's making now. I think it's, let me, let me quickly look it up. I think it's around three or 4 million. Let me see. It's going to be something really stupidly cheap. Yeah. 3.25 million Weaker. Oh my God. That's such a steal for Florida for two more years. So funny enough, probably what stopped that deal is that the Leafs just signed Justin Hall earlier that year to his $2 million deal. And they already had Muzzin and Brody committed. Right. So I'm wondering now if they, if they really regret not doing that trade and either keeping Justin Hall, because they would have, for like Uyghur is an exceptionally better player than Hall and only makes 1.3 million more. But anyways, that's in the past. You can't change it. But at the end of the day, what I'm trying to illustrate here is that Dermot had some trade value. I'm not sure where that trade value sits right now, but I think it's probably greater than Hall because if the, if the market for Justin Hall, who's a big right shot top four D man or not top four, I'm not going to say that. Sorry. A right shot, big D man who plays on the penalty kill that can play in your top four if paired with someone who's really good. Also, if that had trade value, I feel like they would have moved Hall by now. Them not trading Hall means that they either don't want to and they still believe in him or that the market was kind of cool. So again, Dubas needs to make a decision. If he's not going to get them what a right shot defenseman that could play in their top four uh, usually commands, then just trade Travis Dermott, package him with either McKay or Engvall or someone and like get something back. You know what I mean? Cause, and, and bring someone who's more established because uh, like Dermott still, he still has those mental lapses. I think Travis doesn't process the game that quickly. I think he's got a lot of tools in the toolbox, but can't put it together. Um, I think he'll end up, the thing is, I think he'll end up being a better player than Justin Hall in like three years when Dermott's like 27, but we don't have three years to wait for that. You know what I mean? So um, that's kind of where I sit on the situation. I'd probably move Dermott at this point. I know I said I'd move Hall last week, but I'm changing my mind. No one could tell me otherwise. So um, that's where I sit. I'm of of the mindset you move the player that's going to get you the bigger return so i don't think that's necessarily always true though pat because like what if the like they got to find someone with a value i think uh, sorry let me just jump let me just jump let me just jump in here though right i think it's because they know that hall and muzzin has worked in the past there's more evidence of those two working in the past than dermot with any other pair whether that be with Riley Brody or Muzzin, I think that's why you, that would also lead me to Dermot, even if the return for Dermot is slightly less, you know what I mean? Like if Hall is your seventh D man going into the playoffs, but you also know that in the back of your mind, if 
something goes to shit, you could throw Hall in at any point in the playoffs, and he, you know he's had success with either Muzzin or Riley or whoever. That is value to me to keep him. But right? I think if they're looking at rounding up the top four, though, they need to find like a Bogosian that can skate. And I'm just, I'm just, yeah. I just, I just, I don't see Dermot or like if the Leafs are going into the playoffs with Justin Hall or Travis Dermot in their top four, we're in trouble. Like I would like to see personally Sandin move up with Muzzin, leave Brody and Riley, which worked last year, get that pair back together, get them working because they were successful, and then have Lilligren with a more defensive-minded defenseman because he's shown a, 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 a high-end like hybrid game he can be offensive he's got a shot you who, know what i mean who lilligren lilligren yeah yeah so if you can find him someone that might be able to not like not let him off the hook defensively but give him that flexibility almost like a ron hazy did with riley you know for those one or two seasons that that pair worked you know, I think would allow Lilligren to feel more engaged in the game because I think he's got some offensive upside. And I think Sandin's earned it. You know what I mean? Like, what more does this kid need to do? You know, I think, I think, I think with, I think with Sandin is it's more about um, his inability to play the right side. I think that that's what's stopping him from playing more minutes, I think he's, he's going to have to work to, and look, now that I say that out loud, I think he's going to have to work to change that because they just signed Riley to a massive extension. They have Muzzin for how many more years? I think it's, what is it? It's at least five years or four years. No. Right. They got Muzzin, I think at four years. Sorry. Three years, three years after this year for Muzzin. So and then Brody's Muzzin, got at least a couple more, and right? Brody and Brody's also got three years. So Sandine, if they think that they're gonna move him, or sorry, move him up, which by next year you'd think that he'd be, he'd be the one playing a, a lot more top four minutes. Well, who's coming out on the left side, or who's moving over to the right? You know what the I other, mean? I'm wondering if then maybe they look at moving Lilligren up with Muzzin. Well, then if they do that, then Sandy, may, maybe they're going to run like a, a different pair and Sandine's going to be kind of running a really strong third pair, yeah. which I'm also fine with. You I'm know what I mean? With, like, like, like Sandine's like, a guy that could, if he has to shelter more of the load off, like, I, yeah, like if that's the motive, then maybe you, you play your third pair more minutes and you give less minutes to your top four and have a little bit more of an yeah. evenly distributed Flex, time on ice, yeah. which is Spread fine. Like, fine. yeah, that I, I like that. I and mean, you move Timmy Fee up and then you find Sandine, a new partner for next year uh, on the third pair. But in terms of the immediate future, I'm just looking at uh, free agents for the upcoming 2022-2023 season. So people who only have one year left on their deal after this year, and I believe I'm only looking for defensemen. So let's pull this up here. Sorry for talking you through this, but I'm, I, I do think that they really need to look for a bit more of a stable presence 
yeah. defensively. Yeah, someone that can hit. They need someone that can clear the front of the net. Yeah, yeah. Let, they, again, need, they need a Bogo. We keep saying keep like a Bogosian type. Yeah, we, need a we always end up. We always, we always end up, up back there. Because I, I like how he looked. I liked how that version of a defenseman looked on that bottom pair. Well, and I, he can speak. Yeah, I know. But I'm I, like, is Josh Manson available? Like, I know we, like it. I'm sure. I hope his value went down. You know what I mean? Like, maybe his value has definitely not... gone down. I remember there was a time where. You know, people are talking about trading Nylander for him. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't so think his we're value at that is def- point again. His value is definitely down. And he's older, no? Yeah, he's yeah. Old. I think I forget. I forget well, how mid twenties now, right? He's gotta be in mid twenties by this point. Late late twenties, I would say. Late twenties, maybe yeah, twenty five, twenty six. For, sure. for sure. I think he. I think he might be even older, Pat. I think he's like twenty. I'm gonna look it up right now. Josh Manson is thirty. Wow. Wow. And yeah. on the last year of a $4.1 million deal. So, and he only like his, he has one goal in 13 games. So he's not a point producer. That's for sure. No. I, I don't, I can't see, I can't see the Leafs. I don't know. There's other guys, you know what I mean? Like depends. You got Colin Miller in Buffalo. Who's got one year left at 3.875. You got. Latang, you got no, like none of these guys are realistic. Eric Goodbranson in Calgary, I don't know. No, Ethan they're they're Bear, playing too well. Ethan, Ethan Bear in Bear Carolina, PK Subban, never know. At fifty percent retained, I really do think that they're going to take a shot at Subban in the off season. I'm calling that now. Huh. I, I think that I think they are because remember they were really interested in him at the draft a couple years ago. They were really close to making a deal for him. Uh, I think it was the year, the 2019 draft, the year that they got Robertson. Yeah. Right. I think that that was the year. Yeah. Yeah, it was. They were very close with Nashville to putting a deal together. And the only thing is, is that Nashville wanted, uh, didn't want to retain salary. Retain salary. So they sent him to New Jersey. So I'm, I'm keeping an eye on Subban. And hey, you know what, Pat? Like, he's off to a pretty decent start this year. If they can get him at a value deal, right? If they can get him at a value contract, not like by when I say value, I'm not saying he's signing for 750. But yeah. hell, if he can sign for f- four million, you know what I mean? Four yeah. million dollars. You got to probably trade Kerfoot and Hall to make that work. And Richie, you know what I mean? Like next season, yeah. next season you got. I'm just gonna assume that they trade. Assume, like one of German no, or Hall. No, let's assume. Let's assume. Let's assume that they don't trade anyone. Sorry for talking through this exercise, listeners, but we're just gonna go through this exercise. They got right now. They have two forward spots available on their main roster. Um, or sorry, one forward spot of or no, sorry, two. Because I'm including that Jason Spezza is signed. Return. I'm just assuming yeah. that they sign him for the league minimum. So if Spezza signs at 750k, they have just under six million, five point seven million dollars, and they they'll have they'll actually only need to sign Kasha as an RFA and have to fill one more forward spot. Which I'm right. thinking Robertson would get a crack at. 
Yeah. So, and that's assuming they keep Richie Kerfoot, right? So let's assume that they give Robertson that spot on the left-hand side, right? And you re-sign Kasha to his qualifying offer. Again, we're going to do a quick exercise verbally here. So let's Kasha's, let's say he just re-signs at 1.25, which is, which would be his qualifying offer, I believe. Might be a little more, but for the sake of this exercise, we're not. There, let's say they roughly bring back the same forward group. This is for next season, okay? Yeah. 2022-2023. Engvall's gone. They don't re-sign Engvall. They don't re-sign Mikhaev, right? Just Robertson gets called up. You re-sign Kasha. You re-sign Spezza. Those and you bring tw- Hosang back. And yeah, like, like those are extra guys again, but... That's now, like, do I'm they just... have him for two years or was it just an entry who? level deal? Who? Hosang. Hosang's on, a- on an AHL deal. I'm sure that they'll be fine keeping him. So that, that, those are out of the question. I'm, I'm just, uh, Hosang right now in this case is out, not in the picture. He, yeah. he, but they could sign him. Like they, that's, that's, I'm not worried about losing a guy like Hosang. But without signing their RFAs of, Engvall, Lilligren, and Sandine, who are the only NHL regulars that are left unsigned on this uh, makeshift roster. They have 12 forwards signed, five defensemen signed, and Peter Morazic signed. So they need to sign Jack, and they have and they would have $4.4 million. So you need a defenseman to get to move to get signed. And I think for that sake, let's say it's Timothy Lilligren who signs his QO offer, which I think is going to be something like nine, nine something. Let's just say it's 900,000. If they, if they brought him back, you're left with $3.5 million and you need another goalie. So that's just not going to work. Right. So now again, I'm talking through this, but you trade Justin Hall, you trade Travis Dermott, you trade Alex Kerfoot and you trade Nick Ritchie. Okay. In total, that is four and a half plus three and a half is eight you and then plus 1.5 for Dermot that's nine and a half million dollars by trading those four players right and that would leave you with 13 million in cap and you got to just sign two more forwards two more defensemen and the goalie that's doable right and that's where I think a guy like they look at Subban you know what I mean you take Jack's four million off the top of that 13 million and you're left with nine if you can find some cheap forward to fill out the left-hand side of your, your left wing spots in the middle six, middle bottom six of your roster, which they could probably fill from within, right? Like I, I told yeah. you last week about a guy like Alex Steves. Again, let's not forget about Rodi and Amirov, um, who's a, a Leaf property. They got a bunch of guys that they can bring up and fill. And that leaves room for a guy like Subban who maybe comes in at three and a half or whatever. Like maybe they want to make it work. Maybe PK wants to play in Toronto. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But I think they're going to test those waters with him. But anyways, that's just a a little tangent. Your weekly Ceno tangent on a guy that he, a player that he really likes. Um, Yeah, no. So I think they can make it work. But the point is that they need to, they need to find something to do with Hall and Dermott because what this exercise illustrated is, that next year is very fluid, right? They either are going to lose and a a big change is going to come plus a lot more little changes or they're going to win and they're still going to have to make changes around the edges 
And I think those four guys, the Kerfoots, the Dermots, the Halls, and the and Richie, those are the guys you look to to free and up Ang- cap space. Engvall, McKayev, Engvall, those guys, yeah. Yeah, I think the, I think this year, I think when you look to when you turn the page to uh, the trade deadline, you know, we know that the Leafs are working to try and accumulate some additional cap space, um, despite you know juggling their roster on non game days and so on to to build up that 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 credit. Um, and, and, and yeah, maybe and, they're and, freeing up the space for for a trade for Subban at the deadline. Like maybe could, that's I, a thing. I, I I think that they need to find someone that can hit that can kind of settle the back end and it may not be a flashy name this year, but you know, I, I think that they at least really do need to show up that defense because um, you know, I just, I don't see it in hall anymore where I used to, I don't know what Travis Dermott is. And I think that you need some defensive support to help uh, Lilligren and Sandin along. And then, you know, just before we wrap up the podcast, I do want to make mention of Nick Ritchie. Um, I thought last night was his best game. I know he, you know, he hit the post on a couple of attempts. I thought he was more engaged. I like the fact that, you know, he was causing a disturbance in front of the Kings net and in front of Jonathan Quick. But I'm still waiting for the guy that scored, what, 15, 20 goals for the Bruins last year. Like, I don't know if coming back and playing for the Leafs or, or, or coming to Ontario and playing for Toronto. I think he's an Ontario boy, isn't he? Um, I just don't know if, yeah, if the pressure. Yeah. I think he's from Orangeville. Right, I just don't know. If play for the Marlies. Yeah, play, play for, for the, the like the Marlies Minor Hockey Association. Like I, I, I'm starting to see that there's a common thread with some players as they come here. They feel like they need to play outside of their own skin, and I'm just wondering if that's the case with Richie. If he just got back to just, you know, simplifying his game and, you know, getting in front of the net and, and and just being, you know, your typical pain in the ass, that, you know. You know, maybe that means him getting into a fight just to get him back into the game. You know what I mean? Like, just something. He's he just he looks like a guy that's that's looking for that spark. But it's got once again that that's that's something that has to come intrinsically. You know? Yeah, he he's rocking a really low PDO right now. Um, and for those who've listened uh listened to this uh before, PDO is like the the kind of like the luck indicator stat um it's a it's an an addition equation of your on ice shooting percentage when you're on the ice and your uh on ice save percentage right so i'm looking at richie just this season okay just this season take a guess what the leaf shooting percentage is when he's on the ice maybe what 10 15 percent oh he wishes he would have five goals by now Oh, he does not have it's 1.43 percent so they're snake bitten right now and yeah. just to and like and just to give you a like a sense of what he did in boston last year when he got his 15 goals is that last year yeah 2020 yeah yeah so his on ice shooting percentage last year was 6.51 percent you know what i mean like he this is the lo- lowest on ice shooting percentage Richie is experienced in his entire career by a wide margin. The next lowest year was his rookie year in Anaheim and it was 4.27%. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about Nick Richie. I know it's not an, a popular take. He is doing exactly 
especially lately early on he looked like he was lost and slow and whatever but right now he's playing with the purpose he's getting to the the spot that he needs to get to to score goals and create chances that fourth line i told you last week pat they look good i really do think they look good they took it to the bottom six of Tampa and I'd, I'd like to I like to see them score more though. I think I think okay if yeah like the pucks get the, the pucks got to go in like like I get the the pucks gonna go in eventually. I think so. It, 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 but can we rely that's on gonna, that on playoffs? Right when well, we know like again playoffs are a short sample size. I understand that. Like I, I'm look I'm you I only can the only way that I can evaluate his play right now. Because if you just look at his stats, he's got what one, two points. Has he yet yeah. to have a point at five on five? Like the puck's just not going in. And I think 13 games isn't nothing, but in a fourth line role, 13 games, it's not like you're playing 20 minutes a night and you haven't yeah. scored. You know what I mean? Like he's not, what is he averaging? I think he's he's got 140 minutes of five on ice five on five ice time in 13 games. So that's just over 10 minutes of five on five ice a game. Um, again, I'm not that worried about it. The puck will eventually go in and he's playing with a, a guy like Spezza who's going to find him. It's just some really bad luck right now, in my opinion. Like another stat I'm looking at here. Let me see. Where's his IXG? His isolated expected goals, which is something that uh, another stat that they measure where you uh, like how many goals have you on your own created, not taking away your teammates. Like last year it was 7.44. And that has a lot to do, I think, with that might be have to do with the shooting percentage as well. But this year, again, it's 1.59. It's really low. You know what I mean? Like he is not but he's hovering around like over 55% on, on Corsi, which is the shot attempt. So they're controlling play when he's out there. I, I think that if he finds the net back of the net and a few of more of those shots, like the story becomes a little different. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think in terms of converting it to playoff success, Pat, like you're saying, I think he does need to be, get a little bit more mean. Like, you know, yeah. what I, like he just needs to, he just needs to be a pain in the ass every shift. And yeah. I get it. It's probably hard to do in November for 82 games. Like it's exhausting to just get in a scrum after every shift, but he has to bring, he has to bring that. himself to the fight. Yeah. He Definitely. has to bring, he has to drag himself, himself and his line mates fight. into the fight. Yeah. And that combined with an uptick in the shooting percentage, which will come, it always regresses back to the mean. Yeah. It, it, I think all of that, combined you'll see a better nick the the best of nick ritchie is yet to come this season um but again that doesn't mean that you don't trade him after this year if if the if you find something better right i, 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 I actually i just think everyone wants to make him the scapegoat right now that's what we do in toronto yeah we always we always look for the next the like, next excuse why they lost the game exactly so I, again not that worried about it he's not going to be the reason they lose like, again, not to get off on a total tangent, but I found it hilarious how some people yesterday in the media are tweeting, oh, well, isn't anyone concerned that the last 14 goals are scored by only the Leafs' big four forwards? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, everyone fucking complains when... When they weren't scoring. When, when, the, when the big four aren't scoring. Oh, and, like, Spets and Kerfoot are leading the team in points in the playoffs last year. 
no one talks shit about that right but the the guys that get paid a combined 40 million are the ones that are carrying the load offensively and everyone's like well like aren't they worried about their depth i'm like dude like it's, it's just it's, it's so it, ridiculous it's such a liquid it's such a it's such a uh, what's the word i'm trying to think of but that narrative just it's low-hanging fruit that's what it is but but it's, it changes the goalposts change depending on what the Leafs are doing yeah. if they're winning, and, I'll, and look I'll, and it's I'll, always I'll, something else yeah like i'll, I'll call him out like carlo Kuliakvo is the one that tweeted it i i just didn't even acknowledge like acknowledge it up until this point like i just thought it was ridiculous like i know well, Carlo's they were mentioning it all throughout the game last night too yeah yeah that's they made, they he's got it He's got to get his clicks in, but like, yeah, Craig Simpson said, and that just th- threw me off the wall here. Like he, he just needs to, he needs to real, like the 14, the 14 goals were scored by Nylander, Marner, Matthews, and Tavares. And so Isn't now they need want? something else to complain about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they can't complain about the big guys scoring. So now they need to look at the depth. And then whenever, whenever, whenever that word depth comes up, Pat, you know, it's, it's, it's points right up to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, Dubis can't fill out this group with depth when he's paying the big guys 14 million. It's just like just lazy, lazy narratives surrounding oh, this team. Well, you know what? This has been great, Anthony. Uh, it's kind of nice that we're able to tie it up in a bow like we just did. Um, so for all our listeners, um, our sponsor, Focal USA, is going to be releasing a brand new bobblehead. So look out for further details on that. Uh, we're also still running our retweet, share, and follow contest. So look for that on our Twitter account. Uh, I guess, Anthony, any final thoughts uh, before we close off this week's podcast? Nope, nothing. Uh, I'd say everyone just keep an eye out for uh, my upcoming blog this week. Uh, my Friday, Friday or Saturday, it's going to come out. Um, it's uh, it's going to be kind of looking a, a little bit at the more in-depth of the players that we talked about and kind of where they fit um not just this year or or beyond like or not just this year but in the future and uh, I, i'm gonna now that we talk through it pat i'm gonna look at some trade targets so i, I it's it's really tough right now because we're only about like not even a quarter of the way into the season yeah. uh but like i i just want to see like who who they could possibly be looking at because I really hope it's not a forward. The fact that we can't find the fact that we can't find an obvious defenseman makes me think that it is a forward. Unfortunately, I don't think it's a, I don't but think it's a forward. Let, I, let, I, I, let's hope. I, I no, you know what? I, I think if, if we see it, uh, the hole on defense, like everyone else, I don't think they're adding to the forward depth when you do have guys on the Marlies that are on the cheap that yeah. can fill in those depth roles. It's gotta be defense. Or, or they're looking to maybe restock some picks and free up some cap space for the trade deadline. Yeah, that's, got, I, that's another option. That's another option is, you know, get a second or third round pick for Dermot or Hall, free up a million, let that, you know, continue to bank that cash. And then as you get closer to the trade deadline, we know that, you know, there's a little bit more flexibility. And, and who knows what defense, in, you know, might come available as teams like Detroit and, and Buffalo and, and others that are, you know, playing over their heads now begin to you know fall back and and then look to their own rebuilds and 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 so on so um definitely look forward to seeing your blog anthony thank you everyone for listening and um you know definitely continue to check us out on on social media at serenization take care everyone bye